Hey, everybody, Mike Rothman here, GM of TechStrong Research, Chief Strategy Officer of TechStrong Group. It is another episode of the TechStrong Research Review. We missed last week. We had our TechStrong All Hands meeting. So Mitch and I were knee deep in Chef Baba and, and boat trips and actually some meetings. And we have some cool stuff planned. We got some productive work done. Mitch Ashley, yeah. principal with TechStrong Research oh, yeah, and CTO with TechStrong Group. Yeah, it was. It was just, in, you know, you get a lot of stuff done when you're in person, don't you? We, we do. And it was nice to see, you know, and I was, I've been with the company since, what, July, right? So there were a whole bunch of people I actually hadn't met in person. So it was uh, it was great, you know, kind of just not just on the Zoom box, but actually being in the same space as folks. And it was uh, it was nice. It was it was it was a good event. But we didn't record the review last week. So um, we're back. And I think this week we want to hit on something that everybody seems to be talking about because, you know, if you got to jump on the bandwagon, you may as well jump with both feet. So let's talk about chat GPT, Mitch. Mm -hmm. It is everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. My kids are having, you know, it write their papers. They're actually not having it write their papers at this point. <laughs> um, I, I think it's only because they haven't figured out that chat GPT. T can run, write their papers uh, in school. Oh, they'll figure it out. I'm sure they knew before we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, well, if it's on TikTok, then, then they must have known. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the only way my kids know about anything uh, on that front. But like, let's talk a little bit about, you know, again, generative AI in general and and really the impact it's going to have on, you know, operations and analytics and, and, and really, you know, part of the challenge of whether you're trying to optimize your DevOps environment or, you know, try to find and, and isolate different malicious activities is making the connection between all these different, you know, data types and understanding that. So, so where does generative AI start to play into, you know, aggregating and analyzing telemetry? It's not about anomaly detection, right? It's about, you know, kind of trying to find the relationships between these, you know, disparate, you know, data sources and data streams. So, what, what what are you thinking, Mitch, at this point? Well, yeah, I, I did a I did a segment on one of our shows, um, AI Times, and we talked a lot about this. And a lot of the generative AI right now is about create this for me, create an image that has this, do a painting, write this for me. And by the way, I did a a LinkedIn poll where I typed in a question, and it actually wasn't um, Chat GPT; it was another one. Because it was it was busy, right? And uh, I just pasted the text, other than took the footnotes out of it, but where it got the text from, and then said, "Is this and the answer to this question? Is it generative AI or not?" And seventy five, I'm sorry, fifty seven percent said it was. Thirty six percent said it wasn't that it was a person that wrote it, and 7% said they're not sure. So this will air after a poll's closing. So it actually was written. Was it? Of AI. See, yeah. you know, what, what's funny is that I, I got that wrong because it it was <laughs> it was recent data, and I figured to use ChatGPT, and I know that hadn't been based upon, you know, anything recent. So that's kind of why I had mm -hmm. inferred that it wasn't. But I, it didn't occur to me that you would, you know, hack the system and actually use a different generative AI algorithm well i didn't have a choice so other than <laughs> if i wrote it myself and what's interesting is grammarly you know chat gpt and these things are supposed to be perfect grammar and that's how you're supposed to be able to tell right, right. grammarly said that it had an extra comment it didn't need so i don't know <laughs> yeah what if, i i don't know what i would have guessed it looked pretty per, looked pretty you know it, it definitely was edited i wouldn't have written something that clearly just on yeah. my own without some help but um for sure so if you said you know 
if you said it wasn't, it had would have had to have some help. The point, but the point being is generative AI right now is kind of pointed at this create this for me kind of um like one of the applications was uh, in a recording like for a deaf person or in a live setting you know pick out the voices with the different people who are saying because i can't lip read six people at once right and, and help me follow the conversation so it's it's interesting it's not ai it's a, just a particular field of ai right and it kind of reminds me of you know, like AI has arrived, like robotics arrived when factories started putting robotics in or blockchain became the savior for security, but not really. Um, it is kind of one of those moments, it seems like. Well, and I think it is going to have the staying power and it's going to change things, but it, you know, it's not going to wipe out every white collar job. It's not going to, it's no. may make educators' job more uh, difficult. You know, can't use yeah. calculators on the test, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and and I really do have, you know, mixed feelings about this because, you know, clearly, especially in a lot of the areas that we um, cover, Mm -hmm. we have skills problems, right? We have, you know, we don't have enough resources. And yes, it's helping a little bit that, you know, kind of a whole bunch of big companies that, you know, kind of hoovered up a lot of the really talented folks uh, are, you know, kind of right sizing their employee base, which is putting, you know, a decent amount of talent, you know, back out there. Um, that's helpful. But again, it's kind of like a drop in a bucket, right? I mean, there just aren't enough people with these skills in order to do that. So if, if there are tools that can help us be more productive or spend less time on things that don't really make a difference, like documenting stuff. You've already, you know, if there are templates or forms or something that you can put in and, you know, you press a button and, and, and reasonable text comes out that then you can just spend time editing, that really cuts down on the time to deliver stuff. I got, I got the use case for you. Write my compliance report for me. Yeah. Every security professional would be. That's right. That, that's right. So, so if you have a template and then you can, you know, kind of set one of these algorithms on sitting there saying, yep, based upon this, you know, just pop it into, into a format that, that makes sense. I mean, that helps. Right. And especially since you've got information all over the place, if you start to say, you know, kind of what is that? And they can, you know, really intelligently look at it relative to the requirements and, and, and the mandates, you know, again, I think that that's a, a great use case, right? Is it going to help you really find, you know, an attacker? Not yet. Right. Is no, it really no, going to help you really optimize general. your environment? Not yet. Right. And, and so, you know, again, and part of what we're going to be talking about at TechStrongCon, right, is, is AI in each one of these different, you know, kind of areas. And that that's certainly the area of focus that I'm going to bring to, you know, the, the stuff that we're talking about. So, well, and this um, is, it's more of a Turing test, right? Can you tell is if it's a computer on the other side? It doesn't mean that it understands what it's writing, right? It's correlating like information and right. assembling it together. And there's actually intelligence in doing that artificial. By the way, all my intelligence is artificial, but, <laughs> but that's a whole other topic. Um, so, but it doesn't know what it all means. It couldn't write, you know, I'm, yes, it could write some, you know, poem or whatever, but does it really know what it means? At least now it does. It's not truly intelligent, you know, to your point. Is it going to go find the hacker? That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe this is a short episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It could be could six months from now. It could be something else. It could, you know, I think it's got staying power. Um, 
but I don't think it, you know, let's go, let's go find new jobs because our jobs are going away. That's right. That rarely. Well, well, so let's talk about that a little bit, right? So, you know, you mentioned Grammarly and, you know, that's really the grammar checking, you know, kind of thing. Obviously we do a ton of writing, so it's an indispensable tool. If only just to point out that I forgot, you know, that I'm using a passive voice or that I forgot to put a comma, you know, in a certain place. Has that impacted our editing group? Not really. Right. Maybe yeah, a few still... brain cells from seeing stupid stuff, you know, but but I think we're kind of at this weird inflection point where we're really trying to figure out what the best use cases are for the technology. And, and, and the thing that made, you know, kind of chat GPT feel like a bit of an earthquake is just because it was able to put together stuff that we that we didn't know you know could happen i mean i think people knew that you know you could assemble you know kind of data and have it you know generate stuff i think dolly you know kind of the the other you know image generation thing you know kind of said oh holy crap that's you know that's amazing you know from that standpoint so so we're starting to see you know what generative ai can do because we just hadn't been exposed to it before right so that's what feels you know so novel um but i still think it's it's a it's a technology looking for a solution at this point or, or yeah, yeah right. that's so, how i felt about bitcoin kind of still do or about blockchain yeah. you know what my guess is my guess is that we might see things like instead of a chat chat GPT, we'll see a chat GPT for medical and a chat GPT for finance and one for security and one for tech. In other words, the sort of general purpose AI kind of things, those are really super hard to do. And a lot of what we see in generative with these, you know, Dolly and there's other image art and things, those are all sort of like a narrow slice of where we're applying uh, generative AI to it. So I think the the uh, curation of that information and getting even more refinement of getting the right stuff presented to you in a document, you know, like write this medical report and here's the data and here's the other 50 we've created like it and right, do it. Go write the 51st. That seems to me a, a potential really good use of this. And then doctors aren't sitting, well, they probably don't write the report anyway, but you know, <laughs> aren't sitting around writing reports. And, you know, a lot of that's done for us, like checking grammar with Grammarly okay. today. I mean, who knows? Yeah. No, who knows? I, I think that's, you know, that's the, that's a great thing. So let's talk a little bit about stuff that is non-generative, right? So, you, you know, we did research, you know, earlier this year about, right, this year, right, last year uh, about, you know, kind of AI and ops, right? We've done AI, you know, kind of in application testing. So we've kind of danced around, you know, kind of what the impact is. Um, before have we seen any of this stuff really start to manifest? I mean, you we talked last year about how you know it was going to help us refine what to you know focus on from a code coverage standpoint if we looked at application you know kind of testing on that front. You, you know, again, talked about observability and how you know kind of AI is is going to help from that standpoint. So so you, you give give me a sense of, of of what you're seeing in terms of you know kind of the real impact of that on on operations today. So we did do some research of some sponsored research around observability. And one element of it was looking at AI ops, right? How much you're applying to AI in an operation setting. And it, it was, I think, I don't remember the numbers right off the top of my head, but it was, you know, like in the 15 to 16% range, people were 
either experimenting with it, working with it, seeing some results for it. But it was things like correlation of alerts and reducing alert storms and sort of the manual, reducing the noise kinds of AI things, which, um, you know, when machine learning took off, I, I went to one of the experts in a lab that I was working with and said, so why is machine learning suddenly taking off? And his answer was because we have huge mounds of data that it can go search and then find patterns in. And that's what machine learning, one one flavor of it anyway, uh, unsupervised, unsupervised uses. So guess what observability does is generate tons of data, right? From all telemetry, from all these devices and IoT and network and software and everything else. So you know, I think we'll see it as an as something that is an enhancement. I mean, right now, every vendor, technology vendor says, and we use AI to fill in the blank. Well, what does it mean? Probably machine learning in most cases, if it's a lot of data. Um, you know, writing code for you is one of the things, of course, that, um, that uh, GitHub and Google also are, are doing some things with. You know, my question about that is, Writing code is easy. Maintaining code is hard. <laughs> right. Who's going to maintain what they wrote? And right. and I say this from experience because long ago I was working with code generator products, and the code it generates not what people would write. It didn't was anything close. Now maybe it's a lot better today, but it was, yeah, not it's right. not pretty. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So I I think it's going to be an element of a lot of things, and. Each vendor, each vendor technology company will figure out where they can really leverage it and they have teams working on it and enterprises will have models and some things that they can use AI and machine learning against. Um, will it, will it be the next, um, you know, I don't know, <laughs> DoorDash or whatever kind of change the model of the industry? Maybe, but you know, nobody's good at predicting those things. Yeah. And, and we don't really know when. I mean, I think it's one of these things that we want to, you know, kind of be excited about the potential, but tap the brakes a little bit in terms of, you know, kind of its its short term, you know, impact. And, and I do think the point about, you know, kind of every company says they're doing AI, ML in some way, shape or form. And I think they are. Right. I mean, I think it may, it helps, you know, again, I look at things typically through a security prism and um, it helps when you're looking at, you know, kind of all this different telemetry, having, you know, some algorithms look and try to refine and find, you know, unexpected activity or different patterns that you hadn't seen before that assists in terms of, you know, kind of your detection capabilities. So that's goodness, right? So we're inching along, right? And then every so often we'll get this, you know, discontinuity, at least in perception. And I think that's kind of where we are now. And that's why everybody's going bonkers over, um, you know, chat GPT. Um, and again, I think just to be clear, it's really cool. It is really cool. But is it going to help you do your job better? You know, and then, you know, in the very near term, probably not. I wouldn't change my major right right yet. <laughs> if I was in college, you know, maybe well, I, I mean, would to go listen, work on it, but not yeah. thinking I'm this one's going to go away. If you've if you've got any kind of math capabilities and understand that, you know, definitely continue to do that. That is going to be, uh, you know, but, but data science has been really hot for a long time, so that's not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, like I keep pushing my steps on in that direction because he's kind of a mathy guy, and um, you, you, you know, it's. I'm inching him along. We'll see. We'll see. But it's, uh, uh, again, it's, it's, it's really where the future is. There's, there's no question about that. It's just how quickly are we going to get there? It's hard to answer for your kids. How am I going to use anything from algebra on? 
right? <laughs> Just, right. But now you can't. Well, yeah, you know, you, you, so if you're trying to draw some common ground with your kids and get them excited about this stuff. Just tell them that's what TikTok uses to figure out what, you know, keeps you on that friggin' app for hours there at a time, go. right? It's an algorithm based upon what you've seen in the past and what you've, you know, tend to favor and where you go from there, you know, from a navigation standpoint. So mm-hmm. then I'm like, Oh, okay. So, all right. We have anything else, any, anything else, Mitch on your, you know, in your crawl that you need to get off your chest? <laughs> you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to RSAC, you know, kind of thinking about what that's like. And we'll be there together this year because um, you are walking around and looking good from your from your knee yeah, surgery or whatever we call that. I'm making progress for sure. You are doing great. So it'll be, it'll be great to do that with you. And we'll be doing a bunch of interviews and we're starting that process, that planning as well. Um, but with, you know, all the travel and we still have kind of weird COVID or no COVID, or is this happening and that happening? I'm trying to figure out, have we emerged out of the people don't go to things or they only go to the events they know, or we are we still sort of stuck in this? I just go to RSAC because that's the one to go to. And yeah. I don't go to the thing in downtown Denver or downtown Atlanta. Right. I, I, and I don't know that it's COVID related. I think it's as much work, remote work related. And that Probably, you know, yeah. kind of when folks had to go out and they were going to the office every day, if they're going to go to a conference center or whatever it is like that, I mean, that's easy, right? You know, kind of it's fine. I mean, I'm just going to go somewhere different but you know kind of the whole process of actually getting out of the house and going to do something and and i think that remains a, a pretty heavy lift so it, it seems to me that you have kind of the upper crust of the conferences and and they're starting to rebound i think you know kind of reasonably nicely I mean, we'll see right i mean is rsa going to be what it used to be probably not right but you know is it going to be better than it was last year probably um, so I think we're making some improvement, but I think a lot of the conferences that were kind of at the lower end of that, you know, smaller, you know, community events, you know, kind of these road shows that go to, you know, all these different cities. I, I think that's tough. I just, I yeah, think that's tough nowadays. So I do have something on my crowd that I, re- I remember to bring up and we were talking about sort of the hype of robotics coming in and now AI, generative AI. Yeah. What happened to 5G? I thought that was going to transform the world and the applications and <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't need internet into our homes and all this yeah. BS. It says on my phone I have 5G, but I, don't I can't tell the that. difference. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell that suddenly you're like I mean, you know, speed test tells me it's faster. <laughs> it does. That's probably got a little lower latency, but yeah, if yeah, there's yeah. killer apps for 5G, I don't think we're, you, you don't read about it. I mean, certainly it's being deployed everywhere. It's just to me, it's seems like a better 4G. Maybe, maybe we just have to hit does. that. Peak I, I, I will tell you, it, it is. It does feel kind of magical to me if I'm, you know, standing online somewhere or doing, you know, whatever I'm doing, you know, not in my house that I can pull up, you know, kind of TV wherever I want. Right. And and I have sufficient bandwidth to do that. I don't have to be on Wi-Fi. I don't, you know, that feels, you know, impactful to me, but only from a personal you know, kind of convenience standpoint, it doesn't really help me do anything better. I'm not a better person because I can check out, you know, kind of an ESPN, you know, clip, um, you know, watch more in line, you know, for my groceries. <laughs> if anything, it makes me less, you know, kind of in the moment and and, and less aware of, of what's going on around me. But to me, that that's how I kind of perceive, you know, 5G. It's just, it's really taken a lot of the issue out of, you know, kind of doing video wherever it is that I am. Um, but in terms of new applications, in terms of anything along those lines, not so much. 
Well, and I, I don't know where you live in relation to Atlanta city proper, but I'm kind of in the edge of the suburbs. We still, you go in the grocery store, you go into Hobby Lobby or you go into whatever. A lot of stores, you don't, you can't get any wireless, any, any yeah. uh, cellular, right? It's, it's still a big issue. At least my experience. Well, coverage around me is, is pretty mm-hmm. good. In my specific house, I don't have strong enough coverage to want to get rid of my, you know, 1G, uh, you, you know, kind of uh, fiber connection, you know, from, from the carrier, but um, it, it's around, around Atlanta. It's, it's, it's pretty good. So that's, you, you know, that's been helpful. Um, but again, I don't, I don't perceive any of those things, but again, it's one of these things where, you know, the hype machine has got a hype. So now the hype machine oh. is around AI and, you know, we'll and go hyped for a long time before, it you know, one of the, and you know, sometimes there's stuff that comes out and, and, you know, that you're, you're just jealous. You didn't come up with. So, you, you know, Gardner's hype cycle, I, I love, right. I just, because it it's so, apropos to everything that we've just seen and you, you know when 5g is down you know kind of i'm not sure if it's the the the, the trough of disillusionment yet but it's probably pretty close where generative ai and other ai things are you know close to the top of the hype cycle now and we're inevitably gonna you know ride it down when you know folks are really trying to figure out what to do and as we've talked about before things like devops right they're starting to go up towards you know the plateau of productivity and that we're not talking about it anymore folks are just doing it Right. And we're kind of focused on the edges of how do we refine it? How do we, you know, kind of make it a little bit better? So so I think that's a perfect model for how um, technology markets and, and hot environments, you, you know, really kind of play out. And, you know, we're just we're just riding. We're riding. We're riding the roller coaster again uh, with AI. And at some point it will transform things in 5G, you know, kind of down there. I think it does provide some pretty cool, you know, kind of use cases, but limited. Right. Not universal. And that's I think that's where the hype machine goes wrong. Yeah, I, I love their hype cycle, too. And before they came out with it, I had this mental model of. Well, things go for about a year and a half, and then the next thing takes over it. Right now, I think it's a lot quicker than that for, yeah, for many is. things. But you, know, you could see the you could see the hype. You could see the everybody's doing it. You could see the nah, then that's not it. Let's go after the next, you know, hot potato or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, all, right, all right. So like we got we got uh, generative AI. We got uh, <laughs> cellular coverage. Exactly. We're we got at, all that uh, stuff. conferences. So, so once you connect. 5G to chat GPT, then magic is going to happen, right? So that's Skynet. That's 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 throw, and, Skynet. And throw a little bit of DevOps in there and, and, and we're all good. There you go. So, so with that, couple of things. you had mentioned, you know, RSAC. So we will be there. So if you are going to uh, the RSA conference, we're having our DevSecOps days again. I know somebody maybe on this uh, show is going to be keynoting the event. So um, I, uh, there's a r- r- something I can't remember his name. Yeah. But yeah. Our main, something like that will be the keynote <laughs> speaker there. Uh, yeah. So come see us. It'll be great to see everybody. And, and really, I missed it last year. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but before that, you know, shorter term issue, if you happen to be in the Singapore area, we will be there in, I think it's two weeks from today, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Two weeks from today. Yeah, two weeks um, from today. You're right. Uh, is the uh, the DevOps uh, Asia Summit in Singapore. So come see us there. Uh, and we've got TechStrongCon. Right. So, so March 16th, TechStrongCon, uh, sign up for it. It's going to be, you know, really a, a great show. We're going to talk about a lot of this stuff a lot deeper. Uh, so, you know, come, come see us there virtually anyway. And KubeCon uh, is the week before in, in Amsterdam is the, is, we'll be there or the that's week. That's right. Alan and, Alan and, and Mike Vizard will be, uh, will be there for, for KubeCon. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of things going on. So, a lot going on. Keeping, those, lot going keeping on. those airline miles racking up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So with that, we will sign off from this week's Tech Strong Research Review. We'll be back next week to talk about something else that is of uh, critical importance. Absolutely. <laughs> At least to us anyway. <laughs> to us. <laughs> to everybody. We'll talk to you Have soon. a great week. 